Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Well, welcome to Masterclass Theology. As always, I am Big Rev. And I'm Professor D. And we continue our journey with Joseph. And we are in chapters 42 and 43 tonight. Make we promised a, a double, and we have, we have all these double dreams, and we get another double tonight, don't we? Yes, we do. So we're going to have two different trips to Egypt. And so, yeah, let's open with a word of prayer, and then we will sally forth. God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word. I'm so very thankful that uh, my good friend Mick is here with me, and that we get to discuss this word, and I, I just pray, Lord, that you use this time in your word to challenge and encourage us. We thank you for those who are listening on this podcast. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so chapter 42, This it's a, the opening reading is a big chunk. So verses 1 to 20. So when Jacob, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? I, I think my dad might have said that to me and my brother and sisters, you know. Yeah. During one boring, you know, rainy day, like, well, get up and do something. All right. Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us that we may live and not die. Well, there it is. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, Your servants were twelve brothers, the sons of one man, who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph said to them, It is just as I told you, you are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison, so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are an honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison, while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me, so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. Wow. Isn't it great, Mick, when, when we as the readers of a story, when we know more than the characters do, so the narrator has to explain things to us, but we already know some of these things. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we definitely know more than the brothers do here. So we're kind of, 
we're kind of equal to Joseph in terms of understanding here to mm-hmm. a degree, although he's learning some things here too. Well, actually, we, we can even argue since we are the reader, we're actually greater than Joseph at this point. It, it, we, we, have the, we are the omniscient ones at this point. Yeah, by contrast. So let's start with verse 9 here. What's theologically happening inside Joseph? I think the, the big thing here with Joseph is that he's seeing 99% of what God promised him to be true. I mean, mm. Going back to his dreams. I mean, he's already seen complete fulfillments in other people's dreams. The, uh, the cupbearer, the baker, and Pharaoh. And now he's seeing it in his own life. He's like, oh my God, mm. is this happening like my dreams? And so he's seeing the 99%. The reason I say 99% is because Benjamin's not here, nor is Jacob. So, you know, we need them to kind of complete the puzzle here. Right? Yeah, I... I... I love how the narrator does this because Moses is quick to tell us that they bowed down before him. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, then he reminds us, then Joseph remembers his dreams. Like, wow, God, mm-hmm. this is it's all those stocks of grain from yep. our first session. And for those of you who are just li- listening here going, what are they talking about? Well, he, he had that initial dream where all of his brothers were bowing down to him. Yep. And that ended up, they weren't pleased about that. And, well, they, they put him on this journey. What's the great irony here, Mick, uh, regarding the brothers and finally telling the truth? Because they're coming clean. They're not lying to him at all. No. I mean, they, 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 the, 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 this whole mess, this, this predicament, all started with, with a lie. That's the great irony. And now, here to, to, to save themselves, they're telling the truth. Right? Yeah. Uh, and and, and it's, it's just kind of funny, though, because now, in a matter of speaking, Joe's the, Joseph's the one with the pretense. Right, right. A- AKA basically a lie, but you know. Right. I mean, yeah, that's just the, the, that great irony that they're finally telling the truth. But where the rubber is meeting the road, we would expect them to lie. Yeah. Because that's been their MO this whole time. Yeah. And even lying to dad, hey, you know what? We found this garment. And, you know, I, we hate to think what happens. Dad, what do you think happened? Yeah. You know, and he's. And, and I think another thing here is that at this point, they probably even logically assume that Joseph is dead. They probably figured that he didn't make it as a slave. Mm. Yeah. So it's just, there's just so much. that That's one of those things that, that's humorous if you really mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. Just, just the wisdom of God's word, how it unfolds. Because we're naturally wanting to put ourselves in their, inside those characters for a moment. Yeah. Before this, you know, ruling figure. And also, the great thing is we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes too. Yeah. When we've been betrayed and dealing with these things... Yeah, um, uh, Joseph, we, we mentioned, I, I kept mentioning last week, you know, Elohim and the name for God. Well, in verse 18, um, Joseph drops a theological truth on these guys. What are your thoughts on Joseph bringing in this idea of, I fear Elohim, in verse 18? Well, I think people knew about God. When we consider like a contemporary uh, of, of this time, uh, Job. For instance, so we knew that people outside of the Hebrew nation knew about Jehovah God uh, at this point. So, so there were God-fearing people in the world. So I think, and I think the thing here with Joseph, though, is you know, in his pretending of what he's doing, I think what is a very common thing that a lot of people do, even now, and it also is that people like to hedge their their spirituality. You know, uh, and especially at this time where people really, uh, this is a polytheistic age. Mm. 
you know, and I think people like to hedge their spirituality. So they'll recognize the other gods, maybe not give it the same import as their own, but they'll play it safe. I think we saw a little bit of this in, in Jonah, too, where like pray to your gods, whoever your gods are, you know. And I think some of that is going on here as well. So Joseph is, is playing the part of the pagan Egyptian here. And, you know, but like anybody, he probably acknowledges, yeah, yeah there might be something to your God. I'll play it safe. Yeah, the pagan Egyptian talking to guys from Canaan. Mm-hmm. So let's drop one of Canaan's gods. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've, totally. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, we continue here, 21 to 38. Hopefully I don't have to continue the gruff Joseph voice because that didn't sound – that was a lot going on here. But well, that was kind of fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, every <laughs> once in a while. I, I could have – usually when I give a James Earl Jonesy impersonation to God's voice, but we're not speaking of God. We're speaking of Joseph. Okay, 21 to 38 here. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. Whew, wow. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. But we would not listen. That's why this distress has come on us. Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. This is just brilliant. This, this narrative is great. Verse 24, He turned away from them and began to weep. Wow. He began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. And this was done for them. They loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. At that pla- at the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened the sack to f- get feed for his donkey, and he saw the silver in the mouth of the sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank. And they, they turned to each other, trembling, and said, What is this that God has done to us? When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. They said, The man who was lord over, over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, We're honest men. We're not spies. We were twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more. And the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who was lord over the land said to us, This is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food for your starving households and go. But bring your youngest brother to me, so I will know that you are not spies but honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you and you can trade in the land. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taken, taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. Wow. So, Professor D, what profound moment causes Joseph to, to weep? This is back near 21, I believe. Yes. Well, he's finally face-to-face with the architects of, of his long years of suffering. Mm. He, he's, he's in a comfortable status now, but, but this came through a long and hard and arduous journey. So it, wasn't, it, it was no joyride for Joseph to get to where he was at. Mm. I mean, he may be good now, but the fact of the matter is, 
They put him through hell. Um, yeah. You could argue, Mick, that this is the one time in the text where the brothers have information Joseph didn't have. Like they're finally filling in some of these blanks because he never knew, like he never knew, maybe he didn't hear Reuben's, you know, hey, don't harm the boy. Maybe he yeah. never got that because the text never told us that Joseph right. was present. Yeah. He was in the pit. Okay, so he didn't know what the self-talk was. He didn't know what was going on in their hearts. Right. To hear them say, see, we're getting our comeuppance. Yeah. He, I mean, that that that's, I mean, he, he didn't know any of that. So that was the way for the narrator now to give them information to communicate unwittingly yeah. to him. And I can imagine that being very soothing for his soul. Yeah. To the point where I had no idea. Yeah. And and it causes him to weep. I mean, maybe those were tears. I mean, some of our listeners might be going through things, and you find out things later in life about why maybe you had to go through certain things. Maybe you, maybe you never get those answers. And for all that Joseph's gone through, that's something he no longer has to ask about. Yeah, he gets to find that out. Yeah, and and he can't let them know who he is, so he has to go weep by himself. So what? Next question here. What do you think is finally happening with these brothers? I think the the big thing that that is happening to them is that they are they are um they're seeing um what is a divine retribution mm. they're you you see that they believe in god and and kind of like their sins are coming before them mm. is is what's what's going on with the brothers so they're starting to recognize look we've done things we've kept this secret sin we've hidden this from people mm. you know and you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about that, uh, you know, so we did chapter 37 and chapter 38, which we didn't do. We read that that uh, Judah went off to be on his own. And we got to figure that during that time, they they probably all wrestled and and struggled with, with what they had done. I mean, at the end of the day, once you do something, you realize, dang, this was our brother. He was still our brother. And I think, you know, they're people. You know, and, I, and I've read about that, that people who, people don't understand difficulties in killing someone or doing anything of that magnitude. I mean, while they may not have killed him, they essentially sent him on a, on a, on a death sentence. Mm. So they, they, were, they were starting to reel in this now. And you could see that they had grown throughout the years. You know, you, you're seeing a lot more referencing to God from the part of the brothers, something that we didn't see earlier in the narrative. Mm. So we see that there's some growth in their lives, you know. We'd like to think so after how many years now have gone by? 13 plus the 7 good years, 20 plus years. We'd like to think that some maturation occurred. Yeah, when you look at like in, Luke, in a Luke 15 sense in the prodigal son story, there's that really, really deep moment where the the prodigal realizes his situation yeah and he realizes that he could repent and go home he could return back to me at least the possibility and he makes this decision he he comes to the senses and he realizes certain things i think we're finally seeing the brothers come to their senses i'm agreeing with you yeah there's an indication of repentance yeah you know uh clearly there's regrets Mm. You know, if it's full-on repentance, I'm still not sure, but there, but there is definitely regrets here, you know? You can almost hear, uh, you know, and bad mistakes. I've made a few here. Yeah, and I mean, they're, I mean, they're safe to do so because mm-hmm. they don't know it's Joseph. Yeah. So they're kind of playing fast and loose with their narrative. Yeah. They're just saying things that, you know, come to their heart yeah. because, you know, woe is me, here I am, and yeah. I, this is why we should have done this or done that. 
Fair enough. So maybe if they knew it was Joseph, they would have had a different mentality. Oh, clearly. But that's great because Joseph gets to hear it now. Yeah. He gets to hear things he doesn't know. Well, it's it's almost like thinking that Joseph doesn't know the language. They're in a safe space yeah. to talk about that secret sin that they're dealing with. And, and I think that, that that's something that's definitely big here. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing going on, as you were talking about earlier, there's a lot of things that are revealed. So here we also kind of get more details about, you know... So we were told in the earlier chapter, uh, 37, that Joseph was sold into slavery. Mm. But we never heard, as the brothers were talking and Reuben was talking about, we saw him weeping and wailing. It's like we didn't really get that, although we could have imagined that part. We didn't really get that sense of like, you know, no, no, come on, please, don't, don't, don't. So taking that then, Mick, what do you think was going on in Joseph's mind? Hearing that, yeah, I mean, hearing the fact that, that his tears were actually heard. Yeah. I mean, what could you imagine him thinking? Well, I mean, he, he's, he's thinking, I don't know about what he's thinking, but I'll tell you what he's feeling. <laughs> he's mm. feeling love because he's seeing the brothers. Mm. But at the same time, he's feeling hatred too. I mean, I cannot see how he cannot feel both of those things mm. simultaneously for these guys. Mm. And, I, and part of this I get from the fact that he named his children the way he did. Mm. Trouble and fruitful. I have forgotten my trouble, and I, you know, I'm fruitful now. And I think the fact that things have gone well for Joseph put him in a really good spot to not just acknowledge that he has forgiven them, but to eventually feel that forgiveness towards them because things went right. well. I, w- I would have to imagine that if things didn't go well for Joseph, we would have a very different story. Or who knows? Well, one one final question for this section. Why does the silver in the sacks bring fear? Oh, man. And he, in fact, says, what is this that God has done to us? And this is <laughs> bringing up Elohim again. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really cool because, I mean, I, you know, this is such a great story because of all the, you know, uh, the details that are in there. So, I mean, it's bad enough that when they get there, they're, 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 they're basically being manhandled as spies. They're arrested for three days. Simeon is basically kept held held for bond, you know. It's not even money for bond. They're actually holding one of their brothers, one of their own, as bond. Uh, and they're they're fearing that there's like some sort of setup or conspiracy going on here. So they're like they're shaking in their boots, man. Um, you know, it, it, it's sad, but at the same time it's kind of maliciously comical. Hmm. Yeah. So any any final thoughts here for trip number one? Any any anything you want to t- you your your take home idea from from trip number one here? So chapter forty two. Oh boy, um, you know the, the thing is, um, beware of secret sins, man. Mm. <laughs> they they have a funny way of catching up with you. Yeah, amen. And I'm seeing something here that just from our little uh, interchange there with with Joseph hearing the brothers' heart as they, you know, as they said, you know, didn't we hear him weeping? Did we, didn't, mm. Why did we ignore his tears? Or, um, Yeah, and it's, it's something about, you know, they were clearly the villain mm-hmm. and Joseph was clearly the victim. Mm-hmm. But this is a rare time where the victim gets to hear the heart of the villain. Yeah. And the, vi- the villain, it's like that's one of the great things about the gospel we may have done horrible things in this life. We may look back at our past and really regret sins and decisions. But the villain doesn't have to stay the villain. Yeah. It's like that there's hope. There's, yes. there's, there's, in Christ, there's hope. 
And so we're not going to throw Christ in here unnecessarily, but the villain, it's like, it's like the brothers, though they were clearly the villain, there's cracks in that armor. Yeah. We're seeing the villain's heart just for yeah. one moment. And better yet, Joseph seeing the heart, yeah. Joseph seeing the regret, Joseph seeing the realization of they knew what they did. Well, we see Elohim is finally starting to yeah. get through to these guys. Right. And that causes the victim to weep. Yeah. Seeing the, vi- seeing the villain's heart and seeing the villain start to transition from not being the villain anymore. Yeah. And there's hope for all of us who, um, well, like I said, we've all done stuff we regret. Well, it, just, it also goes to show that not, not every everything is so black and white. Mm. You know, um, bad people do good things, good people do bad things, you know, and then you have everything else in between that, you know. So there is the variations of that, the things that we struggle with. So if you're the victim out there, uh, we, 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 we weep those tears mm-hmm. with Joseph yep. as Joseph gets to see what he got to see. And if you're the villain out there, there's hope for you. Yeah. There's hope for us in Christ. Yeah. And if we, if First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. There's hope for the villain. Yes. And that's just... That's something we're just seeing the beginnings of with the dialogue in this chapter. Yeah, and I think a great point that you've made in past conversations is when you look at these narratives and these accounts in the Bible, if you see yourself as the hero of the story, you're probably reading it wrong. Mm. You know, And I think that that's a very great way of, of when you're reading Scripture, don't see yourself as the hero. Mm. Yeah, amen. Well, we transition to chapter 43, um, just some, some good stuff already. My goodness. You know, in terms of just storytelling, mm-hmm. it's hard to beat chapter 42. It really is. I, I know as the story progresses, it gets better, so it can be beaten in my argument. But but yeah, chapter 43 here, we're going to be in 1 to 14, and we've got a second trip here. So the second journey to Egypt. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again until your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. Because the man said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? (laughs) What a question. You can just imagine this guy. I mean, in the, this, this is a Seinfeld comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine this guy in the midst of it. I mean, his his depression and, and his anxiety with this. He's like, why did you have to reveal you got a younger brother? This guy doesn't know you. I mean, why would you bring this information up? They replied, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How are we to know? He would say, bring your brother down here. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you here, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not de- delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. 
put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm, a little honey, some spices and myrrh. He did this before, didn't he? Mm -hmm. This is how he treated his brother Esau. Mm -hmm. Some pistachio or... Uh, yeah, you guys. Yeah, it says pistachio nuts and almonds and take 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 double the amount of silver with you for you must return the silver that was put back in the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty. Now, he brings up this is the first time we get a name change for God. He brings mm -hmm. up El Shaddai. Okay? This is this is how God introduced himself. If I recall correctly, how God introduced himself to uh to Granddaddy Abraham. Um, in Genesis 17, um, I am El Shaddai, walk before me and be blameless in, in Genesis 17. So this is this is like the family name for God here. Mm -hmm. This is about as hardcore as Jacob can get with God. Okay, uh, so put the, put the best product. Take your brother and go back. May El Shaddai grant you mercy before the man. I go into 14. May, may El Shaddai grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me... If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Oh, Jacob, hit that line again. Wow. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. Well, there's if I if I stole some of your thunder there, but some things just came out. My apologies. <laughs> what does Judah's guarantee reveal to us? Okay, Judah's guarantee. Uh, well, it reveals that there's been a lot of growing up since since we uh, since the whole uh, selling of. Of Joseph, remember this is—he was the main architect of that idea. Remember, it was mm. Judah who came up with that mm. that idea of all the brothers. He's the one. Uh, I'm gonna call him the architect of Joe's woes. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, we we know we so we see a lot of growing up. You know, we we saw the, his, the business with 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 uh, Tamar. You know, um, interestingly enough, the funny thing about the in, the incident with Tamar is that he himself, Judah as a father, was trying to protect his youngest son because you know <laughs> after sons one and two went. You know, <laughs> and that that was the interlude chapter is in the midst of the yes, Joseph thirty eight. So yeah. that's the, that's the missing chapter. So we're we're filling in the gap there. So there's that. So there's the business with Tamar's. I'm going to call it. And then from there, he went from being a tool, and I mean this in the derogatory sense of the way we call someone a tool, to becoming, and he's starting to become an instrument in God's hands. Hmm. Yeah. And once again, the way the last chapter ended with was with Reuben. Yeah. And Reuben's saying, hey, I'll take the blame. Yeah. And he didn't buy it, did yeah. he? And I think it goes to the point that you made earlier, you know, because Reuben slept with with, with uh, Jacob's uh, wife. Yeah. You know, one of his, um, let's call her stepmothers, you know, uh, because of that. I, I really think that Jacob really, and again, the, the text doesn't say it, but you can put two and two together. The Bible doesn't give you these details for no reason. Mm. You know, I think he didn't really think highly or much of Reuben at this point. And here Jacob does the same thing essentially, and for some reason Jacob has more stock than Reuben, or or Judah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Judah has more stock than 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 than, um, than Reuben. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, we who know the Old Testament realize that Reuben is not the one that everyone's going to remember, mm -hmm. but everyone at some point Judah is going to rise oh, yeah. up, and Judah is going to be the guy. Yeah. And, and even though Reuben is the firstborn, you would expect him to be the one who's sacrificing himself. It, I like what you said about you know the, the the whole concubine mess. It doesn't play with Jacob. Yeah. But for some reason, when Judah opens his mouth mm -hmm. and gives a personal guarantee, also Reuben's like you can you can kill my kids. Yeah. If I don't keep your kids' safety. Yeah. And this is now Judah saying no no I am on the line here. Yeah. And so maybe it hits harder. 
Yeah. And and Jacob as well. He he does he he doesn't question he doesn't he doesn't push back on Judah the way he did on Reuben. Mm-hmm. So there there must be something about about Judah here, where. But it's just a great. I almost cried reading it. It's one. Yeah. It's his noble moment. And, and and again, it goes to show you how God. Um, you know, we know that the firstborns are a big deal in the culture, and yet constantly mm. in the book of Genesis, you see God picking the other child. You know, right. Cain wasn't the good kid. Abel was the good kid. And then later Seth. Uh, with Jacob and Esau, well, neither of them were good, but God chose the second right. twin. I mean, and it's a constantly repeating theme in in the book of Genesis. My wife and I love the movie Beauty and the Disney's Beauty and the Beast, but the best part of that movie for for far and away the best part for me is when she finds her father in the enchanted castle the mm. be- the beast shows up she wants her father to let go the beast won't let the father go mm-hmm. and she says take me instead yeah yeah and he tells her you will sit in his place and she and she has a pause moment there and it just brings tears to my eyes yeah. even thinking about it that sac- that substitutionary sacrifice that we're not shocked yeah that Jesus is going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. There's mm-hmm. something about Judah here mm-hmm. that sacrificial. I mean that, that it, it. I don't. I don't want to say that that the Genesis is foreshadowing even that with the yeah. character of Judah. That may not be fair to the text. Yeah. But dang. Yeah. That's. I mean. Wow. So that's that's quite a guarantee Judah mm-hmm. makes. Um, what about Jacob here? Is he? Is he kind of, you know, two-sided? Do we see anything here going on with Jacob? Maybe yeah. on the one hand he's this way, the other hand he's that way? Yeah, I, th- I think essentially, look, so he's the bereaved father. I mean, his own words, you know, uh, you, know uh, you know, oh, woe is me. Essentially, he, he, he's already lost two sons, you can you can argue. You yeah. know, uh, one fearing dead and the other one basically really lost, practically dead. And now he has the fear of losing a third son. So there, there is that. But then on the other hand, He's still playing favorites. <laughs> this whole problem. I mean, I, I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling bad for Simeon because poor Simeon is in a jail. Okay, he's in a jail in a foreign country, and it's like, well, so long. You know, it was good knowing you. Kind of sorry, son. See ya. But it's like now, now out of desperation, he's realizing you know he this can't continue. But it's just, it's just kind of it's like man, you know. And, and and I like Judah's response. You know, we could have already made two trips back. <laughs> I mean, Judah say, you know, and I and I can imagine this conversation in my head. You know, it'd be a very Yiddish kind of conversation going on here. You know, and it's kind of yeah. like you know, we could have made those two trips back. You know, so we could have had the son. We could be eating right now. Yeah, we could be eating with Simeon right now on top of it. You know, if you'd only look, you know, done it the first time around instead of waiting for it to get to you know the eleventh hour. You know, like we're running short on food now. It's like okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're we're rich on silver, but we're poor on food. Oh, so yeah. we, we could remedy that. Yeah, I, I see. He's he's got that cynical side of him. He's sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Jacob, and then at the same time, he's resigned, and and maybe God can show mercy. Yeah, and maybe this El Shaddai will grant you mercy. Yeah. And there's like. And even his oh, if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna weep I'm gonna weep and he kind of has that almost like a martyr complex there. Oh you know he reminds me so much of my mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that one. <laughs> there it is, like the, the smallest oh, violin's playing here for for poor Jacob. But you know he's had a lot. This is this has to be hard for him. We're, yeah. we're no no one's. Hey, we're not taking that away. From yeah, him. not at all. But he does seem to he's pl- kind of playing two sides here. But he does seem to land his plane yeah. on trusting El Shaddai at some yeah. point. 
And for some reason, when Judas spoke, that's all he needed to hear. Yeah. And he was he was willing to move. So, I mean, there is something to be said yeah. there. All right, 15 to 34, we'll finish this chapter out, the second trip. Uh, so the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. Oh, what an image there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an image of the, the, the father in the prodigal son story. Mm-hmm. Seeing them from far away, it's time to slaughter an animal to welcome him home. Like it's party time. Wow. Uh, the man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put in our sacks, put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each one of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of the sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver back in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them, (laughs) there it is, he asked them how they were, and he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. So, once again, more information that he, mm-hmm. they couldn't otherwise get. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and, and controlling himself, said, Serve the food. They served him by himself the brothers by themselves and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews for that is attestable to Egyptians. The men who had been seated before him in the order of their ages, the men had been seated before him in the order of their ages from the firstborn to the youngest. And they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot here. Well, in verse 23 here, what about the faithful steward and the God comment? Well, at best, Joseph had been doing some discipleship with probably his entourage, at best. I'm more likely to think that, again, people are versed in other people's gods. And a part of it is he's doing this on, on Joseph's prompting. So he's probably just following a script in my mind. You know, I, I mean... I, I'd like to hope for the best, but, you know, I don't think the text gives us enough to really, you know, go there. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just glanced at the Hebrew, and it's, it says it's Elohim, and then when he says, in the God of your father, it's, it's a version of Elohim. So, mm-hmm. so he's using Elohim, so he's using that name again that they would, that they would recognize, mm-hmm. and that Joseph already used before yeah. when talking to Pharaoh. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I think this is a brilliant stroke for, by, by Moses, the narrator here, where he has the action come through a steward. Mm-hmm. Because Joseph was a steward. Mm-hmm. He was Potiphar's steward. He yeah. was the steward of the prison, essentially. Yeah. You know, the, 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 he got to rise up and be the, the master of all the prisoners, essentially. So we, I, I find it really nice that, that, the, that the steward of all people is the one who advances the story here. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I, that, that's, just, that's just the brilliance of Scripture. Yes. This is, you couldn't write it that way, but God did. All right, so the faithful steward, the God comment, yeah, he's, he's speaking their language there. Uh, what is going on within Joseph? So what what do we learn in the text here that's going on within Joseph? Well, obviously he's uh he's very emotional and he's 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 very joyed because he finally sees Benjamin. I think the last time I mean I'm I'm guessing here. Um Benjamin may have been about what, 5 years old the last time he he may have seen him because possibly yeah. So let's say 5 Joseph was was in for 17 years, so that would put him at 22, seven good years, 29. So so he's seeing Benjamin from basically a a a, a kindergartner to to a a young man. You know, probably 29 or in his early 30s. You know, since at least a year or two of the famine has happened here. You know, so yeah, man. I mean, you know, his only blood brother whom he hadn't seen, right. the only brother who hadn't who hadn't done evil against him. And he finally gets to see that brother. You and, might you might imagine him dreaming about his mother all those years. Yeah. And so he probably could recognize his brother instantly. Yeah. He could probably see his mother instantly in him. Yeah. Yeah. So, there, I mean, there, there's obviously a lot of human emotion here. And I think it's great the way the Bible paints this. That's great. Yeah. It's... He, he gets to find out that... Um, he had, he asked once again about the aged father. Yeah, he's still living. Well, yeah, he's still living, well, and so know, anything could have happened in those years, right? I think in the in the heart of his heart, he knows because of the of the, of the dream prophecies. But I think he still wants to hear it. It's kind of like, yeah, I, I believe one day God is gonna, you know, we're gonna see the earth re, re, redone, and we're gonna be a two version of ourselves. But it's like until we see it, see it. It's kind of like you know, there's still that something. Mm. What shocks the brothers? Well, it shocks the brothers is, uh, well, he sits them in, in the order of their of their birth, <laughs> you know? And I think it's like, what a coincidence. How does he get all 12 of, well, not all 12 of us, the 11 of us right? How mm. did he know? I mean, you got to figure that they all probably didn't look their age, you know? So you got to figure, how the heck did this guy position us in the right spot? What's going on here? Mm. You know, is this a coincidence? I think not. Mm. You know, and as it is, they already have. They're already dreading a lot of things. You know, the fact that they were, oh my God, they're taking us. They're taking us to eat with, to eat with them. They're oh, they're gonna really get us now. So they already have all these fears going into it, and then they see this, this on top of everything else. It's like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm just. Try- I, I still can't get past verse. Uh, excuse me, 30, no, it's 29. Uh, When he he sees his brother and he tells him, God be gracious to you, my son. Mm -hmm. I would wonder, because we've learned from the previous chapter that he has an interpreter. He Mm -hmm. uh, he has to keep up the the facade here Mm -hmm. because he he can't reveal who he is just yet. So Mm -hmm. if if he starts speaking, you know, classic, you know, Middle Eastern Hebrew there to these Mm -hmm. people, then... 
which he obviously could do. Yeah. Uh, that would be that would that would ruin the the game here. But so I would imagine that the temptation would be within him to actually say those words to Benjamin mm-hmm. in his own tongue directly. Though, yes, through a through a proxy. I'm yeah. just trying to imagine because he calls him my son. That that's quite a line. I mean, is yeah he he did come at the specific request of Joseph, mm-hmm. so I could see him. But you know. The brothers have no idea what he's going to do. Yeah. Maybe they're like, well, you bring, bring your youngest and weakest, as it were. Yeah. And I'm going to stick my thumb, you know, on the, on the scale. And I, you know what? That's it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take him and the rest of you can just go pound sand. Yeah. And so in this case, literally, but yeah, uh, yeah that's, but no, he, he shows grace and may, mm-hmm. and he uses Elohim. May, may Elohim be gracious to you, my yeah. son. There's something about that, that, that just comes across very beautiful to me. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful moment. And it has to just, because in the very next verse, he, he's looking for a place to weep. Because yeah. seeing his brother, he's deeply moved. It's like his, the one great unanswered question that mattered mm-hmm. more than any other has been answered. Yeah. And here he is, like you mentioned, probably in his early 20s. Oddly enough, probably could eat five times more than his brother. Probably in his late 20s by now. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He's, I mean, this is the prime of his life here. And so... Yeah, his, he, this is quite a moment here. Yeah. Um, what are your overall thoughts, Professor D, just with the second trip? So we're just in Genesis 43. Is there anything else here you want to take away just from this trip? Well, as you know, chapters and verses are, are divisions that we put later. So it's, it really is one big flow. So I'm, I'm really seeing 42 and 43 as kind of one big chunk, you know, Uh Act Act One and Act Two, but so it's it's really again the, the whole continuation that our sins have that funny way of catching up with us, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the beautiful thing is that the story doesn't end there, mm-hmm. you know. You, you there there we have a great incentive given to us to step out of lies, uh, denials, which I'm going to call denial of basically self lies. So we have this great incentive to to step out of lies to to to. To fess up to the truth, and that's what mm. what a lot of what's going on here is. There's a lot of fessing up to the truth. Bringing Benjamin is proof. See, we're t- we told you the truth. Mm. You see, and and that's what what I'm seeing. You know, they're admitting what they did wrong. You know, they, they admitted their sin, what they did to Joseph, uh, and they're they're obviously turning to God now, and they're all learning to trust God too. Yeah, at the bare minimum, they're trusting God. Yeah, they're they're taking their dad's words. You know, the El Shaddai would give them mercy at mm-hmm. the bare minimum. Yeah. And I mean, even in the earlier chapter where it says, you know, why is God doing this to us? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it all goes back to show that they believed in a sovereign God mm-hmm. who's in control of everything. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, do you have any... Uh... Oh, I, I almost wish we could have done the next chapter because it's kind of like, I'm like bursting at the seams and it's kind of like, I'm like... Trying not to do spoilers here, you know, like ruining a good movie. So, but. well, let's let's land the plane here then. So let's let's. Do you have any final thoughts about our, our journey together today, or oddly enough, our journey regarding these two journeys? Mm-hmm. And anything, Professor D, that stands out to you to land the plane with? I mean, again, sins, man. Mm. Don't don't hide them. You see what it was doing to these brothers. It, it's clear that it was eating them all these years. You know, I mean, you know, you know, recovery, you, the first thing you have to do is admit, Mm. admit a lot of things, admit that you're wrong, admit that you're powerless, admit that you need a higher power. 
if you were going to give these brothers one thing, you would give them what? It's like they at least did this. Mm-hmm. They 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 owned their 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 mistake. And unlike the previous part of their journey, mm-hmm. this part of their journey, they've humbled themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, maybe they had to be. Humbled. Oh yeah, you you can't own your mistake if there's no humility. Yeah. I mean that that's kind of like the. The underpinning of that, if you don't have humility, you're never going to own any mistake. Because they had like a false humility when they came before Dad with the bloody garment. No, that was an act. Yeah, it was all it was all falsehood. Yeah, yeah that's that that was clearly an act, you know. But this is their life that, is not in their hands no, anymore. That other one was a cover up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like no, I mean, <laughs> that's what they had to come clean about. <laughs> so if you're the if you're the villain out there and you don't want to be the villain anymore, then it takes humility. Mm-hmm. It takes owning what, yeah. what, what, who you've been, what you've been, what you've done. And it's like to be able to get to that point, you're owning your sin. You're staying humble about it. And, yeah, if, if amends are possible, you seek to make the amends, yeah. of course. But here amends aren't possible because yeah. they have no idea where their brother is. Yeah. All they can do is stay humble yeah. and say what they can say. Just unburden their hearts. And in their case, they're just letting it just go out into the wind because they have no idea who's listening. They have no idea unless the interpreter is interpreting. They have no idea that this this Egyptian ruler who's yeah. in charge of their food or whatnot can even hear them yeah. or understand them. Well, but for them, all they're doing is owning and staying humble about it, and that's that great first step of repentance. Yeah, it is. It's huge, Mick. Big. Wow. Wow. Where well, I where I land the plane is. Um, the words grace and mercy, I love, I love the, uh, even even if it's a sarcastic mm-hmm. prayer of Jacob, may, may El Shaddai provide mercy. And mercy is something we, 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 we're not getting what we deserve. Yeah. And I, I struggle with why Jacob chose the word mercy. Mm. And obviously, the text gives us no, I can't even say obviously, the text gives us no clue that Jacob knows what the brothers are all about, mm-hmm. that he knows he's been duped, that he knows that they hurt his favorite J- J- Joseph, and that, no, we, we, the text doesn't tell us that. Mm-hmm. So, But he uses mercy. So it's like they're not getting what they deserve. Yeah, And yeah. that's one of the themes of this, is that these brothers aren't getting what they deserve. Well, going back to chapter 37, again, he, he has gotten bad reports about them. Okay, so yeah. he knows that they have a reputation of being up to no good. 37, again, the Reuben incident earlier. Yeah. So he knows his kids. I mean, you, you and I, we have our own kids. We know them. <clears throat> we know how they are. We know when they come snitching about the other. We can, we can imagine how the story actually really happened in real time versus their version of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I have to think that, that Jacob... Especially being Jacob, who he was, mm-hmm. it's not like Jacob knows that he's 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 pulled his fair share of uh, shenanigans. Mm-hmm. You know, usually people who who have done those sort of things can imagine those sort of things from others. He got mercy and grace from his brother Esau mm-hmm. when he showed up hat in hand. Yeah, to 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 come back and sheepishly put all of his you know belongings and gifts and family in front of him or yeah. whatnot, and all the, all the all the entourage, yeah. and he comes to him sheepishly in the back, yeah. and he gets embraced. He's received mercy himself. Right, right. I mean, he received grace for the undeserved. Yes. So here we have, may El Shaddai give you mercy. You, it's getting what you, you, you don't, no, not getting what you do deserve. Mm-hmm. And then I love, you know, Joseph's in the, the almost like the God position here, mm-hmm. as it were. And we plead to God for mercy. Mm-hmm. We plead to him that we don't get what we deserve. Yeah. 
and God instead gives us grace. What we what, getting what we don't deserve. He tells he tells his his brother, his full brother, Benjamin. Elohim, be gracious to you, my son. Yeah. So they're not getting what they do deserve. Yeah. Instead, they're getting here something, and they may not even see it as grace just yet. They'll, they will probably mm-hmm. later on as they backtrack and they, yeah. they, they, they circle back in their thoughts, but God is giving them grace. Yeah. And I love the fact that grace and mercy are in the midst of this family drama. Yeah. Even a family drama that they don't quite even understand as a family drama, but is, and yeah. we understand so it really speaks to us. And I love that because that's my story. Yeah. And that's your story. That's all yeah. of our stories. We've been we we have received mercy and we have received grace. Yeah. And that in a very real sense, we are we are Jacob, excuse me, we, we are Jacob in the story. We're having to give up and just let let things happen. But we are these brothers. Yeah, we are definitely these brothers. And I was just thinking about something too. You know, yeah. As far as their their humility, you know, you mm. talked about the, making amends. They they make an effort in trying to make amends with when they brought the money back, mm. bringing double that. Yeah, you know, that was that form of amends. Now, to what extent can you make amends? You know, there there are things that so are easily more amendable than than others. Or at least they were coming clean about. Yes, that. yes. Hey, this isn't our silver. Yeah, you know, we paid this now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, so there was kind of this willingness for amends as well too. So yeah, I mean, again, when you look at this more and more, there's so much more to extract from this. Wow, this has been great. Oh yeah. Well, we got to continue this journey. We are. This is a session four of seven. So we continue next week. This has been Masterclass Theology, and I'm Big Rev, and I'm Professor D, and we'll catch you next time. God bless. Amen. This has been Masterclass Theology. I pray you've been challenged and encouraged during today's episode, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we journey through the Bible. God bless.